Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Friday with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Well, Kimberly, <laughs> cheers, Murgatroyd. It's like an instrument. How are you on this uh, Saturday night? It is like an instrument. Uh, but before you answer how you are, how many hertz does the tuning fork vibrate at? 428 I have no idea, honey. How do you know this random piece of information? Because I used to be a DJ, and uh, it is a very important thing to understand frequencies. But listen, this is not why we're here. The people that are in the gym, they're walking down the road, are holed up up in their houses, um, are not interested in 428 hertz. But what they are interested in is having a better relationship. And this is why we are here tonight. And we are going to complete the last in our, we have eight dates that we are doing with John Gottman. Isn't this number three? This is number three, but we're going to end it here because I just think that eight dates is a lot. So we're going <laughs> to we're going to end it with three. I don't know. I'm getting some reach out. People are loving it. We're going to end oh. it with uh, with three. M and M's just went everywhere. M and M's went everywhere. Tell them why you have M and M's tonight, honey. No, you can. No, come on, you can. No one needs to know about this. Well. When, uh, when a certain person visits during a certain part of the month, my wife and I have been married 15 years and I try and do the best I can. It's the, uh, it's the one opportunity where she, she likes a yellow M&M. She doesn't eat the whole bag, but she has a couple of The bites. peanut M&Ms. Yeah. And so uh, I don't know. It's just He's one He's been of, handing me a bag of peanut M&Ms for 15 years. What once, we're gonna, once a month. What we're going to talk lines. about tonight in And every our person book, listening just went, yuck. Eight dates now. We don't care. Um, is we're going to talk about money. Right. Oh, this will be good. We're going to talk about money. This will be good. All right. So, 
Do you remember when I took my ring off and got mad at you over money? And that's when we decided that that you're going to handle it. I was going to handle it, and you're not. Thank God. Uh, um, what did your maternal and paternal grandparents do for a living? Interesting. So my maternal grandfather um, worked in um, metals. Mm-hmm. Eventually owned a metal company with his brothers, and um, my grandmother passed a millionaire. Were they meddlers? <laughs> no, they were lovely. My paternal grandparents were teachers, and my my father's father was the superintendent of schools. They were all teachers. I come from a big long line of teachers on that side. Well, mine were, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's great. You, you did really good with yours, but mine, I, I, I just feel like it's embarrassing for me to say this because of the... No, your grandfather the, was a taxidermist. The, the, no, uh, the, the, right? no, the nobility at which oh, I'm God. from. Okay. Um, no, he was not a taxidermist. Um, I had a, a random weird uncle that my father... No, no he was not no. a taxidermist. Yes, he is. I have he the... Was, he was not a taxidermist. We're talking about great grandfather or grandfather? Well, either. Okay. Whatever. My grandfather was a criminal. Okay. <laughs> he, um, I actually, I, let me tell you how, how completely fucked up this is. I could not tell you what he did for a living. Here's what I remember. I remember. Is this your father's father? My father's father. The only thing, and if my brother, uh, if my brothers were here, I swear to you, they would say the exact same thing. The only memory we have of him is, and 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 we were, I was probably seven or eight when he died, so it's not like he died, you know, before I was born or anything. He would sit in a chair, not talk to anybody, do the crossword puzzle. And the thing that we remember most was he had a number two pencil and he would stick it in his ear and scratch it and wax would be on the end of the pencil. Okay, Okay, that's so gross. That's it. We've grossed everybody out. No one's listening anymore. This will be a private conversation. Okay, so that was what I remember from him. I don't honestly know what he did for living. Well, his father was a taxidermist. I don't know what this taxidermist you're talking about. I had an uncle. No, um, that I was just, th- I, I have, oh, actually, you're right. I his, have the documents. His father was. was I literally actually have an advertisement he placed in the newspaper okay. in well, New York. Listen, we're very proud of this. Okay, <laughs> I mean it's uh, it's amazing. Um, and uh, so, like, it was not. He was not. Now, what kind of animals are you stuffing in New York City? <laughs> It's a really good question. I mean, it's a really good question. I have no idea. And what did Cecilia? What did your mother's parents do? Uh, well, that's a, a, actually a bit more interesting. He was a barber. He came oh, over. Oh, that's from, right. I actually, I actually have all their records. So he came over from uh, from Naples, uh-huh. and um, he had cut of the hair <laughs> in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn. Um, he and, wasn't a butcher. Uh, there was no butcher. Uh-uh. Okay. It was a candlestick maker, but there was no butcher. <laughs> butcher. There was a booker. Um, <clears throat> and so that's what they did. Okay, next question. All right. That was a lot. <clears throat> what did your parents do for a living? They were teachers. <clears throat> Mine um, were criminals. No, <laughs> my, my father was a truck driver. In the, uh, in the winter, he drove uh, number two oil. Um, which was oil, and that you got to you got to be the son of a truck driver who drives oil in Queens. To I really know a number two that. pencil, but other than that, well, it was just a grade of oil. Like I learned that you know when you go get, go get gas in your car, 
That's oil. It's just a derivative of it, right? It's just a more refined. And now what did your mother do, honey? My mother worked for St. John's Hospital in mm-hmm. Queens, which is the, uh, it's at the epicenter now of COVID. So she is freaked out mm-hmm. um, because it's but like- But that was a really long time ago. COVID? That was like last no. week. It's like right now. Your mother working I'm, I'm there. teasing. I know what she was It was asking. like 40 years um, ago. No, I wouldn't say really long ago. I would say, God, you know, I'm getting so old. Everything seems close. I would say, I would say, fifteen years ago, maybe twenty no years ago. No, there's no way. Long I was, I was with you fifteen years ago. She's oh, she was. She wasn't working when. when no, she's never worked. Okay, since so it was. Pro- oh shit, maybe thirty was, years ago. Oh wow. Oh my yeah. god. That's, that's it's been a while, honey. Well, you know how you get these things where you think about your parents Listen, and they're she's, always. Doing this? She's turning eighty this year, and yeah. you retire at what sixty-five? I know. Come on. I know. It's really weird. All right. Okay. Um, how well off were your parents? You know, I don't know really how to answer that because they were both teachers. Um, But here's what I do know. They were very smart with money. They bought things cash. They didn't have debt. And there was never a time where I couldn't do something like I did people-to-people trips and travel. Never felt deprived. I, I never felt like we didn't, you know, we, we didn't have whatever. Now, I mean, we... I, I didn't shop in name brand stores, but mm-hmm. I didn't even really know what those were until I got to high school and I started to like. So you guys won't go to like Bottega Veneta or, or Corneliani or anything like yeah, that. Stop no. it. Oh, shut up. Okay. You know, we were going to Kmart. Well, mine again. And, but nothing wrong with that. Like it was totally cool. Mine you know? again was super impressive, and I don't want to. I don't want to sh- show you. Up Yours here. shopped from Second Story Joe. My, Whatever fell off the truck landed in your living room. That's a true story. Let's be honest. My uh, what's the question? What did they do for a living? My dad. Mm-hmm. No, it was uh, how, how much money how, did they have? How well off were they? Um, they were not well off. Um, we um, we started in a two bedroom apartment in Queens when I was zero, and when I left it. She's 80, and she's still in the two-bedroom apartment in Queens. No, it's not about that, though. Okay, um, is there a pile of cash? There's, there's surprisingly, and the, okay. It's not, the, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This hold hold a- on, let me do this. I want to do this right. So, here is, here is what my, here's, here is what my, my dad did do. He was a guy that every nickel he had he would spend because for him, life was short and he wanted to make sure that he lived it well. But because he was a blue collar worker inside of a very good union in Queens, they take five bucks, I think was the number, of every um, hour that he worked and they put it in a pot for his pension. That five dollars, and then over, it probably was matched, or there was some yeah, sort there was of a thing. thing. There was a thing. So that number over forty years turned out to be a significant pile of money that has served my mom and will serve her for her for the, life for, yeah. for the remainder of her life. She will not want for anything. Had well, that, she's not gonna. She's not like rolling in it. She's throwing it around. But she's gonna be great. She's gonna do fine. She, yeah, because yeah. she's she is really smart and she knows. Okay. So you're rushing me along. What's your problem? I, I don't know how interesting any of this is to anybody, but okay. Okay. Let's keep going. What were your parents' attitudes about money? Um, my parents. 
they saved. They were always great gift givers. Um, they would spend it on other people, but, you know, were very conscious of what they spent. Um, but I never, I never felt that it, as a child that there was like, well, we don't have money. Like that was never really done to me. So I don't, I don't remember that kind of stuff. What about you? Well, I just said it. Um, their attitude about money was I had it and I spent it. Oh, I mean, okay. that's how they did. Um, how did you view these parental, I, how did you view these parental ideas as a child? Um, how do they view it? I mean, how do you view anything as a child? You absorb it, right? And you just watch it and you take it in. And um, I didn't I didn't particularly think, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't particularly think there was anything wrong with it or I don't let's think I had talk, a feeling about it. Let's talk about, here's what I feel like is sort of being asked, but not really. The other views of what were my parents' views of people that had money, that's a different thing. That's a whole nother concept. Yeah. That I know your parents and my parents probably had some big views that impact impacted our money mindset and our financial blueprint. Um for sure. They be- my not my mother, my father believed that education was a bigger issue for him. If somebody was educated, it made him feel very inadequate. Um, if um, somebody had a lot of money, it was less impactful for him than the education. Education was a big deal for him, which is probably why education is so important for me. Um, But if somebody were super wealthy, um, I think that he, I think that he looked, I don't, I don't know that he necessarily looked down on them, but if anybody was super successful and had a little bit of ego or arrogance around it, um, he would, he, I, I'm, trying, I'm struggling for words here. He always wanted, like I, I knew that there was, a, there was an income level that I hit. I, I think when I hit the point where I passed his income level, mm-hmm. that that triggered for him a feeling of, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. You're a big shot now because you have all this money. And I think that there was a part of that that I saw growing up. So I always tried to tone it down mm-hmm. and be as not forthright about discussing that part with him because it made him feel inadequate. I'm having trouble finding words. Yeah. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think that I growing up, I definitely know that people that had money, it was like, what do you need all that for? And, you know, it's kind of like, oh, they must think they're so cool. Like definitely um, equated income to arrogance, which is unfair because it's not true. But I definitely had that thrown into my blueprint growing up. Did your parents feel comfortable spending money? Yeah. So did mine. How did you view the attitudes about money as a child? We answered that. Did your parents save money or invest it? That's a good one. Save and invest. Mine did nothing. That's not true. Your dad did the pension. He Well, he didn't. So, but this is the- this Well, he is, had to sign up for that, didn't he? No. I, I think it's an automatic thing. Here's, maybe, 
I mean, he I had think I think he, here's what I think he knew. I think he knew that this was a blind spot for him that he needed to automate it. And he figured, like, I'm not going to see five bucks out of every hour. It's not going to be I that big. I think they were enticed to do it, though, with, like, if you do this, then we'll match There was it. a matching like, There was, thing. like, so you were, you, were, you were gifted or matched. Yeah, but here's the point I'm trying to make. With Sophia, what you're doing is you're saying, look, you have a give, spend, and save bucket, right? Mm-hmm. There is an, she has three jars. Okay. So there is an education. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I've I interviewed um, uh, God one of the, Dara Dara I can't remember her last name mm-hmm. uh, on on my podcast, and her dad was a CPA, oh, I right? This. And he taught her like they were studying stocks and bonds and investments and savings, and she started very very young. She's like thirty. I don't know how old she is in the thirties, I think, um, and she's set for life because she started this like as a teenager. So financial education and literacy is not something I was taught. Isn't it interesting how they don't even teach us in school at any level? They don't. Like, they don't, which is why books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad are so um, are such bestsellers because think about what Rich Dad, Poor Dad is. It's literally a book about a kid that had a poor dad that had to find a rich dad. Yeah. Because the rich dad, like in Dara's case, taught her or him in, in Robert about Kiyosaki's money. case about money. And I am, um, you know, it bothers me because I don't have the natural, the, I don't have the, uh, the fundamental training as a kid to really learn about this. And, um, I, I, I defer to you because you did get this education. Mm, no, I think you, I you, got, you, got more, you got more than I did. It was got, like you, safe. But it was but more. That, but, but that in itself is an education. It is sort of, but it was more out of scarcity. It was like you never know when you're going to need uh, it. Like I it was see. like scarcity savings. It wasn't like investment and in smart. You know. Did your family take family vacations or travel together when you were growing up? Uh, one time we went to Florida. On the we drove from New Hampshire to Florida. Uh, my mother bypassed three theme parks because my brother and I fought in the back. And on the way back, all I remember my dad saying is, I'm getting there. I don't care if I have to sleep, go through the night. We're getting home and I'm never doing this again. That was our one family vacation that I recall. And uh, other than that, we my, they had a timeshare at the condo for a week and we would go there. And where was the condo? In uh, the mountains in New Hampshire. Okay. And they still have that timeshare. Um, but I remember one family vacation and that's it. Okay, we took... You went to Jamaica all Probably the time. two a year. Um, I, think we, I think we went to the Caribbean 16 times. Your dad was a diver. Um, we used to go to Palachis, which was, um, if you remember, uh, Don't Put Baby in the Corner. Mm-hmm. That's Dirty the, Dancing. That was the Jewish one, right? That was the, like the Concord, Grossingers. If you watch that area? If you watched... Uh, in New York. What's it called? The Catskills. The Catskills. If you watched uh, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, mm-hmm. um, that was that was the Jewish area. It's where the yeah. rich people went. Mm-hmm. The, the, the poor schlubs, the Italians, the Irish, the Polacks, we went to uh, the cat... We went to the other part of the Catskills. I was always on the other side of the tracks. I swear to God, the freaking train went right through my heart every day. Um, and uh, we went to Palacis. And Palacis was the Italian... Concord. I would give anything to do a vacation there. Do you know my Can father, we make a vacation there? At Palachis? Uh-huh. I'd love to look at. Can we do one night at Palachis? 
you know, my father had a, car, a very bad car accident when he was younger. And at Palachi's, the one thing I remember was he had his jaw wired. He, oh, could, yeah. he couldn't eat. So they, whatever they took Blended. on the buffet, he'd go to the buffet, make a plate, they'd put it in the blender and he'd drink that it. That is disgusting. True story. Oh, Robert Murray this is this is the, we're going to call this one the gross podcast. I know. I'm sorry um, if you're still listening. I apologize. Next week will be better. Um, did your family entertain? Let's call it company. Did you, did you have company? Did your family have company? Yeah, of yeah, course. We had company all the time. We had company, and the company got to go in the front room. No one else got in the. Did to they go into dance? The front. No. Okay. No. My no company danced at my house. I actually had the first picture I made in my mind was. My mother and father, and uh, Vinny and Cece, um, and uh, oh god, I, the names. It's like watching the Goodfellas movie. Yeah, it's uh, Chicky and oh, Rose. I, I, yeah, okay. Um, would come over and they would dance. They would. It wasn't. It was before the hustle. Mm-hmm. Whatever. The, it wasn't the Lindy, <laughs> and it wasn't the hustle. No, it was knows something what you're about in the. It's okay. Google. Uh, it was something in the middle, and they would dance with the. They, so they'd have. I guess the, I guess the, this was the seventies. The seventies, yeah, yeah, the seventies. But they had com- company over. They company. did, and I, I loved having company. I over. loved it. Did you love it? I did because you, you, your mother morphed into somebody totally she different. Was, she was Mrs. Brady. Oh, she was Miss Maisel. All of a sudden, she, she a, there was a there cheese was ball. cupcakes or something like yeah. <laughs> there was there, a cheese ball. All of a sudden, I had had some. It donuts. was like it was before the company comes. It was like horns and screaming. Yeah. And then the, as soon as company was there, it was like Best an angel turned and your mother turned into an angel. Yeah. Did your mother ever get drunk? Never. Never. Mm-hmm. I think I saw my mom drunk twice and it was fucking great. Yeah. It was fantastic. I wish I could get my mother drunk. Uh, okay. Uh, did your family engage in philanthropy? <laughs> Yeah. Or charitable activities. Minded. Okay. All Not a nickel. Minded all the time. Nobody got a nickel from my let father. Me t- let me tell you what I remember. Okay. First of all, they gave to everything all the time. Yeah. But oh, here's what I remember. My father was a high school basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And he coached in, you know, another city in New Hampshire. And I remember there were kids on the team that came from lower income families and basketball sneakers are expensive. It's one thing to buy school clothes. It's another thing to buy basketball sneakers. And so my dad would, if a kid couldn't afford it, he would go out and buy a kid, take a kid shopping and go buy him basketball sneakers. But it was never a thing that like, there was no taking a selfie and posting it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. No one knew about it. It wasn't talked about. He respected, you know, the the kids, like, you know, gave privacy. The fa- gave family, like he didn't, yeah. he didn't flaunt like it for was, the family. There was nothing yeah. about it. And it was one of the things that I respected so much that he would do. He would just get up and go to the store or he would call. He had friends at like Nike or Reebok and he would call them and like he had some basketball call, players call with huge in. feet. Yeah, and they'd like send a bunch of shoes and he'd give them to the kids. And, you know, he was always doing something like that for someone. Yeah. And, but you never heard about it. And it was like, yeah, it was awesome. That's great. That's why you are how you are. Uh, Did you have an allowance? 
like one where it was given to me, like, yeah. like I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. No, I had a list on the back of the door in the library. And yes, I said library. Don't make a picture of something fancy. It's a room that's lined with shelves and books. It's actually a really lovely library. It is. Um, but I had, there was a, um, there was a list and on the library behind, behind the door, there was, um, a list. And that's where the phone was. This was before actually they renovated, but it's where the phone was right next to it, I think. And you, you know, you had the extent the not the extension, but the cord that was like, I don't know, 150 foot cord, right? That go, you, can, you could go anywhere you go with that thing. The, you go to 7-Eleven. A 7-Eleven with <laughs> Take the cord. Take the phone with you. Um, but yeah, uh, my mother would say, if I said, mom, can I go to the movies? Can I have money to go to the movies? She'd say, go check the list. And I'd have to go check the list and you got $1 for this and $2 for that and $3 for this. And, and so you, I had to go, how much is the movie's going to cost me? And then I'd have to reverse engineer how I got that much money and I'd have to do all the chores to get that money. And then I would do See, it. But this is normal. Okay. <laughs> this makes sense. I, 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 it was, there was no, there was no rhythm. There was no rhyme to anything I did. It was, it was kind of like, Mom, can I have $20? Well, what have you done? What, 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 what do you want me to do? You think you could do something? What do you want me to do? And there was no plan. There was, there was nothing. And it was always this begging for money. In the end, it ended with, you want my blood? Fine. Okay? And then I got the $20. And I went to whatever movie I did. But look at Sophia now. Sophia, she will come in. Uh, the other day, I uh, gave her a Polly Pocket. She mm-hmm. had done some nice things. What's that? A, a toy. A sandwich? And no, it's a toy. Uh, and it's a pita pocket. I said a Polly Pocket. Okay. And so she said, can we look at the other ones on Amazon? So I scrolled and I showed her different ones. And she said, I want that one. Mm. How much money is it? I said, it's $14. She said, can you make me chores and so I can do them and I can earn it? It's that's where she immediately goes. She's five years old. She because immediately you goes you to I earn it. Yeah. I gift her things all the time, but she doesn't have the expectation of it. It's great. Yeah. And my mother did too, by the way. Like I there would be times where I'd be like, um, mom going out for the night and she'd be like, here's $10. It was not like there was no expectation of it. it I didn't expect to get it. I, I knew if I wanted money, I had to go to the list. And that, but every once in a while, it'd be like, here's $10. Here's like, even like in the pandemic right now, my dad called and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm good. Like, Why did you get went to get a couple of dollars? <laughs> a little stimulus money. Uh, by the way, do you know what I got? If we go to philanthropy? Yeah. I want... So Sophia woke up the other day and she said, I want to um, give my give jar to the kids who don't have meals yeah. because they're home from school. She calls them home alone kids. The home alone kids. Yeah. Homeless, but yeah, home alone kids. And so she said, I want to do my give jar. Can I do chores to earn more money to give to the kids that don't have homes? I said, sure. We co- So she did chores and I gave her money and we added it all up. We counted her gift jar out. It was like $20. She called my mom and she sh- shared with my mom what she was going to do. My mom said, I'm going to send you a check. I got it today. Encloses a $50 check for Sophia's pay it forward donations. Oh my God. I was, my, my parents trained me how to lift people's wallets. Okay. <laughs> That's like, not true. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. All right. And uh, let's do this one briefly. What's, what, what's your work history? 
Give me the things that pop out. You know, um, I, we've all had a thousand jobs, but give, yeah, me, the, give me the So highlights. back in the day, I worked at the uh, Wigger store, Chess King. Wigger? You remember the Wiggers? Wigger? Yeah. Was it really called Wiggers? Wiggers, yeah. Wiggers. No, okay. no, 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 no. The store is called Chess King. I'm saying it was like the MC Hammer pants. Okay. And, okay, all, thank and, you. and like the baggy jeans. Okay, so, you, no. so Wigger is a derogatory term, not the name of the store. Okay, I literally term. thought you worked no, for the no, no, store no. called Wiggers what, that it, service Wiggers. It, it's all the kids that wore the pants down yeah, okay. and, you know, whatever. Is that, can we Start. say that? Is that? I don't know. I okay. mean, I think, sorry. I mean. Well, if you're a Wigger, then you probably own it. They don't exist it. anymore. I think they're still Wiggers. I don't know. Whatever. So don't don't email me. It's I was 14, okay? So I worked at Chess King. Uh, I sold uh, that. And then I worked at, this was a good one. So I did not drink in high school. Yeah. I worked at an under 21 nightclub. Mm-hmm. Soda. Mm-hmm. Do you want Coke? Sprite? Water? Well, my friends were drinking. My dad was dropping me off. George goes to bed at 9 p.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. He would have to pick me up at one o'clock in the morning from That's work. That's love. That's love right there. So they, uh, I worked in under 21 nightclub. I um, worked at the Chess King. I worked at a place called the Weather Vane. It was a clothing store. The only job I never did was food service. Mm-hmm. Never did food service, um, unless you count smoothies, because I did my second job was working in a gym. I've worked in a gym since I was probably 15. Yeah. So I've worked in a gym all my life. Well, uh, God, I have oh, so- you have the best jobs. Uh, okay, so I'll give you some highlights. Um, I washed hair in a, a haircutting store. I uh, squeegeed uh, car windshields. But that wasn't a job. That You were like a kid from Queens that went down to the corner and made a few bucks. Yeah. Like, like no was, one hired there was, you. There was no application there process. There was no application. Okay. He literally you said, he literally this. said, if you want to wipe windows, go ahead and you get whatever tips you can get. That's literally what happened. OK. And during the uh, during the gas crisis, I mean, you, you weren't even born, but during the gas what crisis, year? who the hell knows? Um, yeah, Jimmy Carter do those years because that was that it was that year uh, during the gas crisis. Um, see if I was born. People ran out of gas. And the way you got gas back then was whether or not you had an odd or an even license plate number. And um, I would, the cars would stand in very long, sit in very, very long lines, sometimes three, four blocks long, and they would run out of gas. So I'd get tips to push, to push the cars into the gas station. Gas crisis started in 73 to 80. I was born in 79. There you go. So by okay. technicality, right. I could possibly be in there. I was working, okay. I was you working, were I was working, windows down the I, was, I was working six years before you came out. <laughs> um, and then, uh, let's see, after that, um, Oh my God. I mean, like, what do you want? I, a stripper? Um, you were a stripper? Yeah. Uh, you were not a stripper. Sort of. It's Robert Murgatroyd. I was working at the Lemon Peel. You were working at the Lemon Peel, but you were, were you a cocktail waitress? Yeah. Did you take your schmeckle out? Uh, if they looked down my pants, they got 50 bucks. That's what they got. I got oh for my it. God. You yeah. were a stripper. Yeah. I guess I was. You're more like a prostitute than yeah. a stripper. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was chiropractic. I school. hope our neighbors can hear this conversation. Um, and uh, that's another conversation. You, you, you stripped your way through uh, I worked at Barley, I worked at Barley's Billiards in uh-huh. Atlanta. Um, I, I was uh, I, I, uh, it was a high-end uh, uh-huh. billiard place. Uh-huh. I, uh, served, you were a uh, high-end Listen, I, ser- I, I served Susan Sarandon once. I know, um, you told me. It's my, my claim to fame there. Yeah. Um, but too many jobs to tell. Too many jobs. I just want to go back to the stripper job real quick. Um, 
Did your parents celebrate your birthdays? Did I ever tell you what happened? Oh my God. No, this is not actually no, in this there. No, this is a true story. Do you want to hear, if, if anybody is still actually. What's this, what's this say? If anybody, is actually, your if anybody is actually still listening to this yeah. podcast at this point, listen, they're getting to we're know, a, they're we getting, apologize. Listen, they're getting to know us and they're understanding that, look, what this is about it's not about the crazy stripper stories. No, right? it is, though. <laughs> what it's really about is the two of us sitting here on Saturday night, locked up in COVID hell, having a conversation. COVID hell, is that what you'd call it? COVID hell. Having a conversation mm-hmm. about our life, getting to know each other like we're, Who like, knew listen, we're, like, we're, like we're keeping company. We're Do you want to hear a stripper story? No, I don't. Okay. Um, so about the birthday, though. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you what my mother did. No, but here's the thing. Yeah. Be- because I've actually heard this 700 times a year for 15 years. That's so not true. It is so true. It, well, first of all, it was but if it was, it, it makes sense. You have dramatic. PTSD from this story. It was very, very bad. Um, very but bad. I'm going to tell you yeah. that you didn't break the cycle because you... Demi, our older one, yeah. has PTSD from her birthday too. Which if you'd one? like, we oh, can. So, we can, so, so Sophia, we remember can, what you did? What did you do with the Ninja Turtles? What was it with the cake? Sophia talked about uh, it for years, where you screwed up. Yeah. Uh, what was? It? What did you? I, what was Paw it? Patrol or Paw something? Paw Patrol. You didn't give her Paw Patrol. No, I did actually give her Paw Patrol, but I was like what missing. Was pres- it was like missing one brand new character. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Go ahead, tell your birthday story. Oh well, okay. If you want to hear it, um, basically what happened was. I was a kid minding my own business, and uh, it was my birthday. It was Wait, a, do you know what age this was? It was a significant year. It was like maybe 14, 15, 16, something like that. And, uh, you know, company is coming over because it was my birthday, and, you know, we're going to come over for a birthday. I'm expecting midgets, right, with confetti and uh, a, a, a party. So uh, now we've actually offended wiggers and midgets. They don't like to be called midgets. No um, kidding, but you just so, did it. <laughs> I'm expecting Twice. something spectacular is what I'm trying to say. I was expecting something great. Mm-hmm. And the, the company... Just wait get to the lemon peel. The company start arriving, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a great day. I get... The cake uh, must be hidden. I'm, I'm getting uh, an envelope from CC, CC Casoria with a 20. You know, another one gives me a 30. Grandma, probably a five, okay? <laughs> Grandma always gives you five. It's bucks. like a five. Um, but I, but I'm feeling good. I got the boost, right? I got the envelope, the bag. And uh, my mother slips me a, a 10 or a 5 or 10 and says, uh, go uh, go down the block and go get an Intamin's cake. I said, for what? For your birthday. <laughs> you want me to go down, get my birthday cake? Yeah, I, I don't have one. This was a traumatic thing, mm-hmm. okay? This yeah. is... This was horrible. Tell me about this was um, this was indicative mm-hmm. of um, it, it's childhood trauma. Let's okay. be honest. So, do you remember when Demi? What was she turning like eight? Demi's our twenty-two year old. Yes, I think she was turning eight, and you were like, "Let's take her out to dinner," and you decided to pay forward the childhood trauma, and you said, "We're going to go to." I made a reservation in a really great restaurant in town called the Iberian Pig. And I was like, oh, right. So that restaurant serves pig pig, pig cheeks. <laughs> it serves all kinds of weird parts of the pig. Yeah. Um, 
prakra and all the things like the dessert was literally duck liver. Yeah. Yeah. And and on the way, you're, you're like, no, it's amazing, Demi. And I'm like, Rob, this is a mistake. Like yeah. this, she's like eight or 12. I don't remember what it was. No, I think it was her 13th birthday. And it was like, we should be taking her, her somewhere, you know, that she'd like. And you're like, no, it'll be great. She's as traumatized as that as you are. All right. Next question. How did your parents show you that they were proud of you? Well, I'm still waiting for that one. But um, mm, how did they show me they were proud? Well, my mother doesn't. Or, or didn't they is the question. My father um, always was. I, I don't know. I, I, he, I, I didn't even need the words from him, the actions. Felt I felt it. Yeah. My mother showed me she was proud whenever there was other people around. She would tell them how proud she was of me, and therefore I knew she was proud. I actually always felt like they were proud of me. That's great. I always did. So My, you got that. I, I got that. Yeah, I got that. There was no struggle there. I yeah. think that um, I, I, I always felt proud, yeah. Um, did you get presents at holidays, and did the fact... Oh my and God. did that fact matter to you as can a child? I, can I please with my yeah. mother? Yeah. Did I get presents at holidays? Okay. So Christmas in my house is determined by a number of gifts. Now that number varies year to year. And it doesn't matter if you're, what, how old you are. Like none of it matters. To this day, everyone will get an equal number of presents. Some could be $1,000 versus one dollar but, but if there's ten but if there's ten right. there's ten I'll fill it ten nine more empty boxes if you got a thousand but you're gonna get ten boxes you are getting the exact number of boxes and God help her if there's if it gets thrown off who is the kid in your family Chad um, that <laughs> that was like hey she's got uh, seven I got nine who was it? Well, it wasn't me. It wasn't you. No. But was there, I'm, I'm kidding. That's your brother. I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I'm, I don't actually, he's actually very grateful. Who, I, was the, who was the one that made your mother do that? Was it? No, like from, I think it's her. It's just she her. has a, she's got a, 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 like, she has accounting. Yeah. Like OCD counting. She counts the stairs. She counts the steps. She counts all the things, right? Yeah. So I think she just has to have the right number of presents, which must really, F her up when we come over and we bring our own presents because then it all goes out the window, right? And there's just a different number of everything. But yeah, we got presents. What is your last question? What is your happiest or best money memory? Tell the story of that memory to your partner. Uh, of my childhood or just in general? Mm, what is your happiest or best money memory? All right. I got it. I know mine. Go ahead. Do you know mine? Do you know my favorite money memory? No. You don't? No. Okay. So when we, I don't know what mine is. I do. I know mine. So when we were um, going to celebrate our 10th wedding anniversary, this was our first year in network marketing, and I got a really big bonus mm -hmm. check. And it was like, I don't know, $7,000 or something like that. It was like a bigger check. We were uh, going to celebrate our 10-year anniversary in Greece. And I had gone down to Planet Blue and found this dress that would have been perfect. It was like this beautiful, amazing dress. It was about $600. I was so close to buying it, but I couldn't do it. 
it was like, I knew I just got this check and all that, but like, I couldn't, I couldn't spend $600 on a dress that I felt like I would literally wear one time. Yeah. So I went back upstairs and I had Emily Farkas, Dr. Emily, Mm -hmm. who you've interviewed on the podcast in the back of my head. And she um, donates her time around the world with an organization called Cardio Start, where she donates her time in her services. And she does heart surgeries around the world in countries that don't have surgeons. And I remember talking to her about this and she said a a surgery costs about $5,000 and it would be surgeries that in the U.S. wouldn't be, it would be $50,000. Like it's at the blink of the eye that the surgery would be done here. But in other countries, they didn't have surgeons and it's very costly and whatever. So um, kids would die. And so I remember walking back upstairs from Planet Blue without the dress. I put it on hold though. And I said, you know what? I'm going to fund that surgery. And I sat on the couch and I opened my laptop and I funded my first heart surgery. And I literally closed my laptop and cried Mm -hmm. like the happiest moment of my life. And then I went to Forever 21 and I bought a dress for $23. And I loved it that much more because it meant something to me. It's a beautiful story, and I don't have one as good, um, but that's a beautiful story. Comparison I re- is the thief of joy. Yeah. What's I mean, your favorite money story? Mine is going to be way more um, insignificant than that, um, but it was, uh, we were in a, you know, a really dark place in our, our life financially, and uh, we were living in the, uh, the, uh, the dark place. The Remember dark the, townhouse. The dark townhouse. And it was literally and figuratively a dark place in our life. And I remember... Um, we, they, have we had Sophia yet? Uh, yeah. You were... Um, it, 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 they had just constructed um, a, a beautiful high-rise uh, in Buckhead. And I convinced you to go, you know, come with me to go take a look at it. And they had uh, the floor just beneath the penthouse um, that was and is um, arguably got to be at the the top views in the city of Atlanta. Um, And we were in a place that was dark and dreary and unsafe and depressing um, for a multitude of reasons. And I looked at this place and I was like, I want it. It was a stretch. It was a huge stretch. In fact, that our first bonus check from our network marketing company was used to put that down That's payment. Right. That's our right. Our first one. And um, we took a leap of faith and we moved into that um, that place. And it was um, it was a turning point in our life because we had light. <laughs> We, well, it was more than light. It was, um, there, there's something, you know, we talk about money a lot, but, but, there, but there's something like my, my friend Darren, you know, was talking to me about like flying first class. He said, you know, flying first class is great. There's no question about it. Like you, the seat lies, lies down, you get good food, you know. But really it's like when you're in that environment, you, you start to meet people that are int- more interesting people. Not that people in coaching are not interesting, but you're, you're finding different sorts of people. 
And in that world, um, it was such a, a step up for us socioeconomically yeah. that we were meeting people, you know, in the film industry and meeting people in the, you know, like we, we had, you know, Usher upstairs and Belle Biv DeVoe to the right of uh-huh. us. Like it was a very strange experience, it you was. know? Um, and we connected with restaurateurs who were, you know, Steve Aoki's brother, who's downstairs and, you know, Justin Anthony, who, you know, is, owns, you know, a big group in Atlanta of restaurants. But these were all super interesting people that to this day, like I did a, uh, I did a, an interview with uh, Chris King uh, yesterday. And if you don't know who he is, Google him. He's a big luxury brand guy. And uh, he talked about, you know, working with, you know, him and Robert Mondavi and uh, Justin Anthony and um, living in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, he's best friends with Dolvet. And Dolvet is, uh, for those of you that don't know who he is, he was on the... Uh, um, biggest Loser. The Biggest Loser, one of those shows. One of those shows. You, you interviewed him. I interviewed him too. Um, and, you know, it brought back a lot of memories and it brought back a lot of memories, memories of some great so moving people. into that place shifted our life. That's the point I'm trying to make that, it, that it was like, it wasn't so much a look at me. I'm at the, I'm on, oh, I'm, God, I'm no. on the top of the world. It was more like I, you know, Gabby Bernstein talks about going up a level in emotion, right? Mm-hmm. But she got that from Esther Hicks, mm-hmm. right? That's where that came from. Right. And when you're in that environment and you feel joy, there's just a different feeling. Yeah. Like you feel strong and powerful. Your surroundings influence how you feel. And so when we much. woke up every day in the super dark apartment with the crazy cat, do you remember those long centipede bugs that like constantly and That's people depressing. were getting broken into all the time? And it was dark, it was depressing. But it was where we were in our life and we made changes, we made commitments, we shifted and we moved into this quite literally bright, happy, sunny, beautiful environment and our energy shifted every day when we woke up. It was like I was excited to raise Sophia there and not like nervous and scared and everything shifts. And so I think it's really important. I think what this chapter was about to wrap it in a bow is, you know, how your upbringing can shift your money mindset and whatever you were given though, as your money mindset, like going through a lot of these, my parents did the best that they could. Your parents did the best they could. We're doing the best we can. We're not, none of us are going to do anything perfect, but you have to do the work too. Mm-hmm. So I can look and say, okay, so these are the the great things I got from my parents and money mindset. These are the negatives I got I need to do the work and I love Secret of the Millionaire Mind, T. Harv Ecker. Book, um, it's a book. book. To actually do that work, I think I've read it six times, um, to be able to map out where my my flaws were in money mindset and correct them. And that has allowed and served me moving into entrepreneurship and, and not worrying about charging people and you know, knowing the reciprocity, using things like go-giver to understand the reciprocity of of service as well as giving and making an impact, but also um, receiving on the other side. And so I think 
all of these questions that we talked about tonight is a great way for us to get to know deeper levels of, you know, our family history and money, but also can reveal the blind spots that you need to work on. So one of the things I want to say in wrapping up is how proud I am of you and what you're doing with, uh, you mentioned your, your business, your network marketing business. Um, you are exploding. Your team is going through the roof, um, hitting record numbers. You guys are working really, really hard. And I had a, I feel like Martin Luther King. I had a dream and the dream I had was to live here in California. And I would not be living in California if it wasn't, we would not be here. If it wasn't for, we would not be in Italy. We would not be doing so many different things. If it not, if it were not for you helping people to realize their dreams, which is allowing us to realize our dreams. So, um, you know, I am I'm a big fan of yours. Thank you. I'm a fan of yours. And um, we should you know, hang out sometime. People ask me all the time. I am not personally in the network marketing space, but you are all up in it. Um, if somebody wants I'm to, all up in this well, I want to give people a chance here because there's a lot of people who ask me about it and, and I don't get it. I can't, I, I cannot respond to everybody. So if people want to get, um, if people want to talk to you directly mm-hmm. about setting it up, um, I know you're, you're working on bringing a, a new class of people in. What, uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I, I think Instagram, Kim Murgatroyd, at Kim Murgatroyd. Okay, so I think you want, I could have made that easier. You want them to slide into your DMs? Slide into my DM. Well, there you go. All right, everybody. Well, that is the last of our um, eight dates. You heard Maybe. three of them. Who Maybe knows? we'll do another one. We'll see how it goes. Um, let us know what you think about the episode, and uh, hope everybody is staying safe and doing well. Have a great night. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.